So Roman, last week, Django and I played a game with each other. I'm not saying we should do it this week because I I think you would hate it. But um, <laughs> but during the podcast, uh, before we started, we each came up with three text like sentences or series of words, and at random times throughout the text the podcast, we texted them to each other, and the other person within a couple minutes had to somehow incorporate that sentence into what they were saying. Um, and some of the statements included it was so Django said there's never enough grottos to go around Nancy Reagan's ass and yeah man it's all about the way that thing smells after a few days and the ones that I sent Django and made him say were doesn't matter how hard you try and relieve the pressure eventually that thing's gonna pop and it's gonna smell like or it's gonna taste like lamb and (laughs) that albacore had clearly baked in the sun for a while before being used Mm. and it was like something that belonged on the happy hour menu of a Shets or something, <laughs> which was, uh, what? Standing on the shore and the SS Perfectly Accessible podcast anchored by the powerful, not anchored, propelled by the powerful Comics Place Presents flag is coming ashore. <laughs> Har, you mean <laughs> It's episode 298 of the Comics Place Presents a Perfectly Accessible podcast powered by wind. <laughs> oh, we know Django's here powered by flatulence. This is a comic book podcast brought to you by the Comics Place of Bellingham, Washington, where we talk about a bunch of comic books that come out. This is an exciting, I'm Jeff, this is an exciting episode of the podcast, though, because, well, let's just get into it. Sorry, I'll finish our intros. I'm Jeff. I'm Django. I'm Roman. And... Oh, you're rowing? Are you rowing the boat? He's the... Row, 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 he's row the engine. Boat. He's the engine that powers the <laughs> SS Papper. Um, uh, but no, this is interesting for a lot of reasons, folks. But one of the main reasons is we took three weeks off and then we recorded a podcast last week. That first week that we were off, we did not get Marvel comics at our comic shop. And then we proceeded to not get them for a month, which is why we didn't talk about them last week, which is a crazy thing. But then in two days, a month's worth of Marvel comics came in. And you bet your bippy that we, you know, <laughs> we we. <laughs> counted and sorted and filed and pulled and displayed all of those comics we read a lot of them also but because of that whole crap crap fest that we dealt with i have no idea what marvel books that we're going to be talking about today are this week last week the week before the week before so you're gonna get some marvel books and be like that was two weeks ago that's just how it goes buddies uh, we don't know. Yeah. It was already so much work to do everything else. I can't even imagine trying to figure out which ones were which week. So, listen, if you, dear listener, were a shopper at our shop, shopper. it wouldn't be confusing at all. So you should no. probably switch to our shop. I, yeah, I can't imagine there's anybody listening to this that's not a shopper at our shop. We isolated all those listeners don't a long say time that ago. Part out loud. Mm. <laughs> well, guys, we do have something special here. Hello and happy. Episode. Actually, sorry, I'm going to pause this for a second. Good idea. We got an email from Will That's Elmer. Better flow. And yes, yeah, I thought so too. And yesterday <laughs> he said, Hey, are you recording tonight or tomorrow? And I said, Tomorrow. And he said, Sweet, I recorded a voicemail, but it sounds potato ish. So I'm going to re record it. And I said, Potato ish? Don't be silly. 
mostly because I love potatoes and I had no idea what the description potato ish could possibly mean. Um, okay. So I wanted to preface this. I haven't listened to it yet, but he said for audiophiles, this is going to sound potato ish. And I cannot right. wait because I love potatoes. Potatoes. Hello and happy episode 298. Um, I'm sitting here with a, a, a cloudy brain after getting the COVID booster and a flu vaccine mm. yesterday. And I was listening to uh, last week's podcast and hearing you guys talk about, you know, AWA upshot. And I just wanted to go back in time for a second because I've been kind of holding on to this in my brain for the last couple of years. Way back in March of 2020, AWA Upshaw, when they first started, they released a book from, um, I think it was Jay Michael Szczynski and Mike Diodato, The Resistance. Um, I don't even think you guys read it. I think you guys might have talked about it, talked about the cover. And I remember picking that up from the shop or doing the drive-by pickup at the shop. It was like the first week you guys mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I closed in the shop and I had to pick a couple of books off of the website and said, give me these ones. And I read that book. And up to that point... I haven't been super stressed about what, you know, the pandemic was going to bring. And in that first issue of the book, um, a pandemic uh, sweeps across the world and kills like 90% of the people who get it. It's it's like an airborne virus that gets through, uh, you know, sealed doors and windows and just wipes out off the population. It's supposed to be like, you know, the small percentage of people who survive, you know, get powers and become heroes, something like that. I don't think I read after the first or second issue. Um, but it wasn't until reading that issue that I started having like real like panic or concern about what the pandemic was going to bring. And it just made it was, uh, that night and the next few weeks very, very stressful. And obviously it went on and on and on. Um, but it left me wondering, have you guys ever read something that was horrible timing that just made you way more stressed than you need to be? You know, like watching the first episode of Lost before you go on an airplane trip or something like that. <laughs> Love you guys. Awesome. And yes, one more question. Um, I hope you guys talk about Danger Street. You know that Tom is my king, but I don't know what the crack is going on in that book. And I'm hoping that you <laughs> help bring some clarity. Love you. That's great, Will. We are going to talk about that book first. We got Roman here. So that's great. But before we get into that comic book, uh, we are going to talk about the answers to your question. I've got one in my mind that makes that it was a pretty logical one. Really? Yeah, uh, the book Nameless by Grant Morrison and Chris Burnham came out not super long after I had my first and only panic attack. And that book is very like about not trusting your senses and not trusting your relationship with reality in a horribly nightmarish, graphic, violent way. Um, And that was a hard one to get through Hmm. for that reason. As it was coming out. I think it's also like the best. Have you read it since? No, no. I'm afraid of triggers. You know that I have a copy, I think. Hmm. Maybe not. Actually, I, I don't have a copy. I can't think of one. I uh, I've I've interacted with other media in with with kind of bad timing or or that uh, my situation affected the way that I took the media in. But what about deceased after your dad passed away? Deceased? Yeah. My like... dad didn't get hit with the anti-life virus and uh, i just remember the time i just remember the zombie there was an issue where like i think john had to like put or paw kent down in the cellar and i feel like we ended up talking about you had this like week where it was like every comic you read was like sad dad stuff i'm not yeah, trying to I plant mean, that, memories that happens that that definitely happens i i do remember that week because there were like two or three other comics that yeah. were like sons killing their fathers or something yeah it was similar. this like weirdly like <clears throat> Cool guys, go easy on the guy. 
Yeah. Thanks, assholes. Exactly. But <laughs> Tom's like, like, not. yeah, I, I, I don't think that, you know, like uh, Synecdoche, New York, put my life on a different trajectory because of where I was at at the time. Um, but that's a movie and not a comic. Like, I haven't had a situation where I read a comic and I'm like, whoa, that's weirdly topical and gives me a, a whole new view on on the thing that's happening in real life. Mm-hmm. Maybe I have. Maybe I'll think of one as we go. Hey. What about you, Roman? I hadn't thought of one until when you were telling that story, I realized. And it, not a comic book, but... Um... The goofiest one I had is totally not something you'd expect. The first um, Puss in Boots movie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and it's because at, I think when it came out, uh, I had lost. I had a cat for 16 years and she was an orange kitty. Um, and I went to see that movie with, with a friend of mine. And I was so embarrassed because I kept on bursting into tears during that movie, which is a fun comedic movie. But, you know, orange cat being real cute. Um and yeah, I burst into tears a whole bunch of times and I had to apologize to her because it's like, you know, I'm sobbing like an idiot at this like children's movie, basically. Man, this guy is sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That happened to, I think I've told this on the podcast, but we went to see the uh, Elton John biopic, right? Like four days after my dad died or something. And the whole family was in in one row at the movie theater and we looked up and, and we're watching this movie and there's one scene where he ODs on drugs and there's one or maybe two shots of him in like uh an oxygen mask and our entire row of people who had just spent a week in the hospital with our dad dying with an oxygen mask on it was like a switch turned on we all started crying and then uh when we left my my brother tucker was like that's the worst movie i've ever seen in my I'm entire life them. <laughs> his brother tucker's it's pretty awesome yeah <laughs> I want to go see that new movie. Um, I'm going to mangle the title. Skinnamarink? Skinnamarink? Mm-hmm. Well, that horror movie, because it's all supposed to be set in one house, and it's all about the horrors of childhood when you think in the dark that like the shape of your oh. parents sleeping in bed is actually some kind of horrible monster. I haven't it's, seen this trailer. It, I haven't seen the trailer either. Mm-hmm. I've just read about it. It's all about oh. just your like childhood perception of things that aren't actually there. Or yeah. are they? Or are they? Nice. Hey, that was a fun downer moment. Uh, do you guys want to pick <laughs> it back up and talk about a comic that we all know exactly what's going but, on in? But what was the other question that Will had? And that we was very about pot- dangerous. Read. And that was a very potato we call. I think I understand. Did you think it was potato? I okay. think I understand that use it's a potato now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the second question, will we talk about dangerous street? Let's talk oh. about Tom King and Jorge Fornes and Dave Stewart writing and drawing dangerous street. Number two. Do we know how long the series is supposed to be yet? I hope it goes on forever. Six, maybe. Oh my God, Roman, what the fuck is wrong with you? Um, <laughs> it's. I hope it goes on as many issues as there were of first issue special, which I think okay. was only thirteen or so. Okay, Roman. So will you it's tell 12. all the listeners what this <laughs> book? Will you tell all the listeners what this book is? It's 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 kind of a. I guess it's a typical Tom King mystery story, except the context of it is that it's using. Um, in the 70s, there was a series from DC called First Issue Special. Each issue was essentially a first issue, and, and it featured new characters and some established characters. And this series, Danger Street, is using all the characters that appeared in all 12 issues of First Issue Special in the 70s as the characters of this story. And Danger Street, I think- All that of was, them. Yeah. And Danger Street was the street, the Dingbats of Danger Street. That was one of the first issue specials was the Dingbats of Danger Street. 
And there were the first issue, there, there were 13 different groups or, or people that were introduced in that series, right? Like starting with the dingbats through the 13th issue. And every one of them made an appearance in the first issue. Of this series of Danger Street? Yep. Did they all? Did yep. uh, Wow, I didn't, I didn't notice if they all did. Yeah, I, I saw Tom King talking about it on social media. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool. So, there was one in the second issue that I was like, oh, wow, I forgot about that guy. And yeah, he, the assassin dude. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I would say that kind of in response to what Will was saying and Django's jests and, you know, like going on forever or, or what's going on. Like, I think what can be confusing about this is there's a lot of characters who have names here that they're kind of referring to them as in a way that I feel like I should know what they are, but I don't. So the whole first mm-hmm. issue when I was hearing things like lady cop or like good looking or like whatever, all these characters mm-hmm. names I've never met. They're all kind of unusual names with the exception of things like the creeper or, you know, Dr. Fate. Like there are these <laughs> names that like can be in, used almost in like various types. They're not like kind of iconic names. So that the language of the book is confusing because there's lots of references yeah. that don't even know. I wasn't even sure if they're, like, is that a person's name or is that just a way of speaking? Um, so that made it kind of confusing. And then coupled with needing to be around characters that I have no familiarity with at all, with the exception of Dr. Fate and the Creeper, makes it, you know, kind of confusing. And then also you're talking about Tom King, who is some of the most like one of the more opaque storytellers out there, which I generally love about him. But, you know, yeah. I think you kind of need to get to the first end of the first issue of a Tom King book to kind of even get what you know what it's going to be about. And then you kind of need the second issue to help you follow that up to make sense of it. So that said, after reading the second issue of the series, I was like, okay, there's a murder mystery. There's a group of like four boys. One of them was murdered. I forget who murdered them. Oh, okay, cool. I think it was Dr. Fate and this blue guy on accident. And we've got a lady cop. And that's not just a thing that some rude street people call her. That's the name she goes by. And like Dr. <laughs> and then like the creeper it runs a TV show that's kind of like Fox Newsy qanon And there's like a group that's run by a kid that maybe has a manhunter working for it that is pretending like the outsiders are committing murders when in reality it's not the outsiders and lady cops on the mystery. And I, yeah. So yeah, I felt like by the end of this close, issue, I, I was like, okay, I think <clears throat> I get what's going on. Yeah. And the narration is, <clears throat> I mean, I don't know. I can't remember if it's Dr. Fate's, Dr. Fate's helmet apparently is narrating okay. the, story, yeah. the, the issues, but it's doing it and kind of refers to like the lady cop as the princess and uh, that star is the ogre. Yeah, that Starman and Warlord is the princes and okay, so the blue dude is Starman, like the original Starman. Not the original. I think he's, he's Starman three. Yeah, it's three or four. Because how yeah, did I, I not know that? I had to look it up. There was DC's had like something like nine characters called Starman. <laughs> and um, I think I think that the ogre is more media than the creeper. Was okay. the feeling I got? Okay, like the the QAnon guy behind the creeper. Like the creeper is the the mouthpiece of it but i got the feeling that it wasn't like he wasn't the the ogre specifically i like that i like that I, I that makes me totally wrong so then so, so Django, how much are you enjoying the series two issues in how much are you enjoying it whatever scale you want i i really like it i think uh i was halfway through this issue and i was like fuck man i don't know what the hell's going on and then something in the last five or six pages just made this whole thing click for me and I really like the dark side stuff. Oh, I it's love interesting to that. see 
uh, Dark Side and and High Father hug. Yep. And like whatever the heck's going on in with the new gods is is pretty sketchy. I like just how boring it is for the lady cop to solve this mystery. Yeah. Like she's got to go to seventy three gas stations, and by the time she finds the person who knows what's going on, he's like she's on autopilot and almost doesn't even catch that he answered her question differently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do think that this book is, I think, I think you're right. It suffers in the fact that it needs to kind of play homage to all of these characters. I think it would almost be better if it was sort of a watchman situation where like, Oh yeah, we don't have to name this kid uh, half, half skim or whatever that kid's name, low fat. We can call him, Jeff Figley instead and and make it clear that these are names not J-fat. monikers yeah. Jfat um, um but yeah man I I by the time I was done with it at the beginning of this issue I was like man he might have this might be a dud finally and then by the end of this issue I was like nope this is you know like this is it's like a shoehorn it's perfect in every way yeah that's a good that's an excellent comparison Roman so then I don't mean to lead my question with you, but it's based on the assumption that you're enjoying it quite a bit based on what you said. I am. I love it even more with the second issue. So then Um, I'm curious, could you tell me why, like, what is it about it that you love? I love the, the whole pitch of it using every character from first issue specials um, as characters in one big overarching mystery. Um, Cause some of the, and like even the outsiders, which isn't Batman and the outsiders, it's this group of base. Basically, it was a, for want of a better term, group of freaks in the, one of the issues that uh, were just a bunch of weirdos that had kind of sort of powers, but they were like in a hospital or an asylum or something. And I don't know why DC did this because they already had the Doom Patrol. So they mm-hmm. made it like a third rate Doom mm. Patrol for this one issue. <laughs> but they're referred to in here and they haven't shown up yet. It's and apparently it's one of the weirdest issues of the original first issue specials because it's just totally out there. Um and I like that he's adding Tom King's adding some mysteries here because, like, at the end when they mention, I mean, why does Dark why does Dark Side care about Atlas the Great? So they're hinting here, I think that <clears throat> At, that Atlas is one of the new gods, which has never been or the first god. Explain ex- brother. Um, well, they, they refer to could, a death of a first god. Yeah, um, Desaad says that, but he okay. says it more as a ex- exclamation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm really curious about that and why Dark Side is like showing concern um and all the little things i mean the boy billionaires because there's at least two different groups of um like boy boy gangs here there's the dingbats of danger street and there's the green team which is the boy billionaires um and they seem to be behind right stuff here and it looks like they've got metamorphos arm in a, in a glass case on the desk oh. and the hitman dude in a costume there that's their guard he's also from one of the issues codename assassin um and he has some powers too i I just love tying all this together that it is true though about like the names because uh the kid that gets killed in the first issue uh good looks that was just you know like 40s boy gangs they all had names like you know bookworm and stuff like that and he he was called (laughs) they were him as like looks and stuff sorry yeah they called him good looks because he was actually just average looking so they named him good looks it was his nickname and he gets killed but, when but yeah, you don't know. But that, if you don't you're... know that, <laughs> you're like, why are they saying this good look phrase? What? <laughs> I guess, Roman, I was curious if, like, if it's the if we remove the characters and we look at the structure of the story, if that was what you were digging, or is it? It's it's more the, the, 
the characters and the the whole just using these characters. I mean, the fact that Warlord and and uh, the Blueskin Starman are like hanging out doing this kind of it almost feels like uh oh which was it drugstore cowboy the movie with uh oh that's a movie's name i've never seen but i know of it yeah with uh, dustin hoffman and the tall guy <laughs> you're saying that's warlord and warlord and not dr fate that's not dr fate that's the okay. blues the blue star man but they have dr fate's helmet okay yeah, but so just star man and then the white bearded guy is not dr fate that's no that's robert. warlord okay. that's okay, travis morgan the warlord good to know yeah um who checks into hotels as grell but yeah, I, which I, is his creator, yeah. I, I, um, I like yeah, those, those that. Sounds like it's rem- both you like. Yeah, but and those <clears> scenes <throat> just remind me of that movie and just the, the two out-of-place characters kind of hanging out in the big city, trying to survive, maybe pulling hustles Urban in the cowboy. movie. Urban Cowboy, that was it. I always get Dragon Store Cowboy, Urban Cowboy, and Rhinestone Cowboy confused. <laughs> well, one's a song. Oh, there we go. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear... Well, I mean... I like that you're, you know, making maybe a little bit more sense of it than most people. But I'm also, I wasn't sure if it's just like, if you throw these characters together, you know, characters together, regardless of who's writing it or the caliber of the story, Roman's going to like it. But it also sounds like you are enjoying. Yeah, I mean, it's actually the, using them in a very intelligent way that's got me intrigued. They're not just like happening to like bump into each other and going, hey, hey, yeah, let's team up or fight. And I, the art is incredible. Jorge Fornes, like as much as he wants to draw dark side, God. I'd say it's great. Or that shot of like yeah. a whole building is amazing. Yeah, that picture. that building panel made me think. I wish that we could see him do a Watchmen story, and then I realized we did that he did a Watchmen story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, parts of this, the page with the creeper torturing that guy—that was oh, it was gorgeous, very creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a little feel worried. Like that, the creeper to you? Uh, kind of. I mean, that's the, my only. I'm a little like, oh god, he's gonna make Jack Ryder even more into a uh, uh, far right conservative dingbat than he usually is and he's gonna maybe he's gonna be outright evil in this the creeper anyway but you know it's a good story i can handle that yeah he's usually more heroic than he seems to be in this he's malevolent in this for sure oh yeah um i would not have given this first issue as high of a score but i'm gonna give this one an 8.5 i like it and i felt really unequipped going into it kind of like Django said until about halfway through and then about halfway through i felt like i had enough of the pieces that I um, could, I don't know, it felt as much like I was being a part of a, a Tom King book as, as ever I am. But but I definitely approaching this issue, I was like, what am I, a gold bricking Jack writer or something, you know? <laughs> so that was, that was a weird feeling. I'm going to give it a, an eight and a half also. I expect that by issue five or six, it's going to be nines across the board. And if I had one complaint that I could put my finger on real easily, it would be that uh, the swear words... Oh, <laughs> that are converted to asterisks and stuff aren't consistent. So they're clearly saying fucker in the same word balloon twice and the characters don't match up. And I don't think that's fair. That same thing bothered me because there's a joke where there's two different curses and a punchline and both of them are obfuscated by symbols like that. And then somebody corrects it to then mimic the first one, but it's different symbols. But what I also thought was interesting is that this is using Delta signs, Sigma signs and function signs. And those are not normal things that people use. So I was wondering if that was a lettering choice or intentionally because like Dr. Fate's in it and stuff. And, and there's an Omega symbol in there too. Yep. Yeah. Omega. Yeah. Sigma. Wow. Function. I bet it is very intentional that I hadn't, put that together but that would totally make sense what, what kind of score do you give everyone yeah. oh it's got manhunter in it um <clears throat> he's going 10 gosh i think he's i am putting his creeper 10. on the table 
I think I am going to go with 10. I mean, this is a book I enjoyed. Yeah, I enjoyed the most this week. Oh, I love to hear that, Roman. I'm glad that you are digging it. And, you know, I don't know that I talked to you about the first issue or maybe I hadn't read it yet when we talked about the podcast or something. and I didn't listen. But um, having somebody who is like deeply in the corner of a book that's kind of like, you know, I don't know if I like it or not always makes me like it more. So having Roman in the totally on board camp makes me more on board. Even the fact like the first issue, I didn't realize that every issue of Danger Street is going to involve all the characters that appeared in the first issue special series. Um, including the new gods, which I didn't put that together, but I think the first new gods comic I ever read was their appearance in first issue special featuring the return of the new gods, um, which I forgot. That's how they returned. And then they got their own series again. (laughs) Uh, So where do you guys want to go next? We could continue on the Tom King train or we could go somewhere else entirely different. I just want to live on somewhere new. Let's go somewhhere new. Uh, yeah. Did anybody have a Marvel book they wanted to talk about? I wouldn't mind talking about Joe Fix It. Hey, let's talk about Joe Fix It. Roman, are you a Hulk fan? Did you read Joe Fix It? Did I read Joe Fix It? Come on. Yeah. Forget about it. <laughs> uh, so this <coughs> this is uh, Peter David back on the uh, Hulk train. And it's just a story of Peter Parker um, trying to leave Vegas and then seeing Kingpin walking through the airport and following Kingpin to... Uh, Joe Fixit's boss and having a little, a short little adventure. Um, I like it. I oh, thought it was oh, pretty oh. good. Oh, oh. Um, the art's fine. It reminds me of like Mark Bagley tier, like totally serviceable with, with a few standout panels and a few real bummer panels. Um, but just like the, the artist has a really good handle on the scale of Joe Fixit, who is the Hulk. And they don't tell us much about why he's there or why he's working for a mobster, but um it looks like it's gonna probably lead towards uh uh joe fix it the hulk as joe fix it versus kingpin and i'm in yeah Roman? yeah it was it was fun i mean they're the text speaks in the back peter david explains you know what why the hulk was gray and hanging out in vegas back in his run on the hulk in the, in the 80s 90s um mm-hmm. and yeah it was fun my only complaint was i thought the kingpin was uh dumber than he usually is because like he doesn't figure out right away that oh this is a gray smaller hulk <laughs> maybe i should yeah. attack him physically but it's a great fight i just <laughs> i love the panel with the, when joe picks it just picks up the kingpin by his gut and the front of the shirt and throws him to the ground <laughs> yeah yeah there's a panel where uh uh peter runs into kingpin on purpose in the airport and kingpin says watch your hands boy and he says i'm not a boy <laughs> and I'm like, it, if, if you gave that to Fox News out of context, they'd make as big a deal out of that as they have about the Joker being pregnant in that Batman issue. Roman liked it. I liked it too. Oh, I, I can hear the it. audience laughing too. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I've never really understood the whole Joe Fixit era of the Hulk, so I didn't actually grab this one and read it. Um, but I'm glad to hear that y'all are digging it. Yeah, yeah it, uh, and Peter David said a thing in the back that I thought was cool. He was like, you know, I just thought it'd be fun to revisit this character but because um, my whole idea behind him was that, you know, traditionally the um, Banner was always worried that the Hulk would come out and ruin whatever was going on in Banner's life. And Joe Fixit was my idea of, well, what if the Hulk has a good thing going, a good life going, and he's just worried Banner's going to show up. And that's why Joe Fixit, he put him in Vegas and had his own life and everything. And, and the Gray Hulk was the first time when he came back was the first like Hulk altar that came out that had brains and intelligence and everything but was still a hulk 
I like that take on it. So Joe Fix It is the Hulk's Tyler Durden. Yeah. Yeah. It's his. And a much nicer suit. Michael Gaines or Ken Gaines. Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines. (laughs) Um, Chris Gaines is, what's his name? Tyler Durden. To quote an old, old episode of this podcast. Bruce Banners. Thank you. Uh, Do you guys got (laughs) scores for this little trip down memory lane? I'm going to give it a seven. I'll give it a, I'll give it an eight. Can I? That's the old Roman Hulk plus one. I don't want to bring this party down, but how many people read Miracle Man by Neil Gaiman? Number three. I didn't. I sure would like to get a pinstripe suit. Oh, you would look so good in a pinstripe suit. I've always wanted a pinstripe suit. Oh, you would look good in like a hat to match. It would go so good with your gray skin. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) What was the question Jeff asked? Did you read the Miracle Man (laughs) issue that came out this week? I haven't because I haven't read the previous issue yet. Okay, well, I hadn't read the previous issue either. Those two had come out 25 years ago. This is the one that was shelved for 25 years. Um, different no. art than it originally was done as. Oh, really? Yeah, this is the, yeah. This, they, so they so they made the whole comic and then they didn't publish it and now they've redrawn it and published it? It looks like it. They have the entire pencils wow. for the original issue in the back of this. Oh, And wow. it does look different. Yeah, this is issue um, three. Yeah, so this is the okay. one people have been waiting for. And okay, I gave it a six out of 10. I didn't care for it. I don't know if it's that I've not liked any of the Neil Gaiman stuff that comes up in Miracle Man, although there's only been mm-hmm. the, you know, the three issues. Really, I guess there was the Golden Age, which was short um, that I did read when Marvel was reprinting it. But um, I don't like the art in this as much. It shows the pencils of the original stuff, and that looks more appealing to me. It is just a weird tone but it's also neil gaiman writing and i just never feel like my feet are on the ground or neil gaiman story i can never feel like the world that is going on is relatable or makes sense to me and this one is very much that but it they at least give you a justification like it's after the events of alan moore's miracle man and like the superhero gods have inherited the earth and kind of made a utopia and there's like you know like meta human experimentation going on and people becoming gods and uh it's just I didn't care for it that much, but I want to know somebody who did like it. So Roman, I was hoping you had read it and were, you know, either on the fence or liking it or not liking it. It's just a, I love Miracle Man by Moore so much. And it's just a very, very different thing at this point. So I feel like given the 25 years of talk and pomp that this has received, it was a kind of a letdown. I'll keep reading it, maybe an issue or two more, but um, yeah, I, I know Neil Gaiman is one of the biggest writers in the entire world, and maybe it works better in his novels, but I've really never been able to make myself enjoy or care for one of his comic books. And this continued that trend. But I also just, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 weird. I, the, this aspect of the Miracle Man story is way less compelling to me than that original one. Yeah. So Neil is kind of like the he's like the, the Bono of um, comic books, right? I can see that. Like. Like, I don't care that much about U2's music, and I don't care that much about most of Neil Gaiman's stuff. Like, I think I'd like to kick it with both of them. I just oh. want Bono to quit U2 so I can hang out with him all the time, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think Neil Gaiman, I, that's exactly my point, is Neil Gaiman is one of my favorite people in the world of creative art stuff, but I don't, he's so supportive and imaginative, I just don't particularly like his output, but I love the role he plays. So I think that's a really uh, salient point that you made and very well worded as well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you want to talk about, Roman? Is there a comic that you read that you want to you want to you want to um, insert into our discussion? Let's talk about did you guys read Avengers War Across Time. No, but I got to hear about no. it. I'm going to. It was just there was 
because we had so many Marvel comics this week, that was a long one. And yeah, it's it's a like it's like a double size issue at least. At least. And it, you know, Paul Levitz, classic comic writer, and Alan Davis, pretty classic artist. Um, and it's it's a tale of the old Avengers, um, Thor, Captain America, Iron Man, Giant Man, and the Wasp. So in the early days, I think it's like after Avengers Eleven is exactly when it's set. <laughs> Um, but it ties into, I, I mean, I don't know, I mean, at least thematically, it ties in with um, the Kang timeless stuff and everything else going on with Marvel events right now that are starting up because this Kang's also the villain in this miniseries, which is called The Avengers War Across Time. So, yeah, of course, it's a Kang thing. Um, it was a fun read. It, it captured, does look awesome. Yeah, it captured the feel of uh, Avengers comics from the time period. Um, and, uh, you know, I was I was wondering if Paul Levitz, if you know, because he's a one of the older classic creators now, and I was wondering, well, can he still write well? Can he still write a, a lengthy comic series? Does he still have his chops? Yeah, he still have his chops, and he does. I mean, he's everybody's in character. The Wasp is. I mean, it's pretty cliched, especially nowadays. But the Wasp is like her original character. She's very flirty with Thor and with Cap and everything, but she's dating Giant Man, and she flirts with the other guys in the team right in front of him. But you know. They, it's all fine. Um, Peter Parker makes an appearance. You know, Kang is nasty and up to tricks, and Alan Davis is drawing. And there's a whole... when you say Kang is up to tricks, up to his old tricks. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Or his new tricks, his future he's not tricks, turning tricks, which are his past tricks. Yeah, he's on the street corner of Forty Second. Oh, Kang. <laughs> yeah, got a little purple skirt on. Um, oh. <laughs> I really like. It's Alan a space Davis. kilt. In Avengers 11, they fought Spider-Man, except that story, you know, spoilers for this 1964 story or whatever. Um, it's not actually Spider-Man. It's a it's a robot that Kang had sent to fight them. Um, and, and in this issue, he does the same thing, except he sends a Hulk robot after him. And, and the drawings of the Hulk robot, especially the close-up of its face with its glowing red robot eyes, are great. Just It just looks scary. With his big... <laughs> Red, red eyes, red, 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 right hand, That's red, right hand. I got, I got it. I got That's it. it. That's it. I hope, I hope that it's good. It sounds like it's going to be a slightly bigger deal than I thought it was when I ordered it, which seemed like just kind of a throwback Avengers story. But I think it's maybe, I don't yeah. Know. The the fact that Kang is the villain and the center around him, I, it's, it is, yeah. it's got to be in some way tied in, and at least indirectly with the the timeless stuff coming up. Yeah. Uh, what'd you give it, old room pup? Gosh, it was such a fun read. Um, I give it at least. It's not a deep story, but I'll I'll give it at least an eight. It was fun to read. It's always fun seeing Cap fighting the Hulk, even if it's not the actual Hulk. And there's some fun little nods, and there's one panel where the Hulk burst into. I think it's a subway, but it's based. I don't know the issue, but it's based on a classic Hulk drawing from the '60s, and I don't know what comic or what, but I, it's the same layout and everything. It's just fun. I like <laughs> it. Avengers Watt. Um, wait, 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 what was his score? Uh, eight. Eight. Hey, eight. Django, right, quick question. It. Did you yeah. uh, convert to a standing desk situation in the middle of this podcast? I did. Listen, since January 1st, I have managed to close all of my rings on my watch, and I have to hit uh, three more stands today, so I'm standing. <laughs> oh, is that all right I'm glad with that you? That, oh, it's great, <laughs> and it, for no reason at all is it, would it be great, but I, I'm just, I'm glad that it also seems like a statement that you're making uh, 
about how healthy you are, Django. Um, I'm so healthy, guys. Uh, I, I think what I've done is uh, I'm only gaining about one pound a week now, which is pretty nice. Yeah, but if if, uh, I, mean. if I can't stop moving my leg, it's going to be trouble. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It's going to be trouble, bud. It's going to be trouble. <laughs> hey, um, Roman, did you continue not reading Bone Orchard? I I did continue not reading Bone <laughs> yeah, Orchard. Yeah, whatever they <laughs> Django, did you continue huh. reading Bone Orchard? I did. I, I read this book, this this newest issue number five today which is the final issue of the miniseries i read four and five which together today. i didn't know yeah i didn't know this was going to be the last one yeah um yeah what did you think i loved it i loved this whole five issue miniseries i loved the characters there was a lot of times where it really reminded me of another series i was reading uh lately called specs which is just sort of like two story about youth in over yeah. their head with dark magic stuff um, like one of them closeted, the other not, but like best friends holding them together. And then like kind of the struggle of continuing that relationship. And then both issues this week made a reference to like grinding someone's bone to dust. Oh, like issue five of this and specs of three, both had huh. almost the same line of dialogue in it. And I was like, this is weird. Interesting. Um, but I really liked it. I love the art. I love Jeff Lemire. <clears throat> one of my more favorite things he's done lately, this mini series, you know, probably since Gideon falls or so, uh, it's, yeah, I really liked the struggle of the two girls and this one that went missing and the other that's trying to track it down. And it was grisly and horrific and murderous at times. And then like um, ominous and foreboding and dark at other times, like, especially like the yeah. cliffhanger of this. But and then I think the art was fantastic. So um, I just loved it as a five issue mini. I love that there's a little standalone hardcover that starts before it. I love that this is a five issue that's going to be a hardcover. And I'm hearing a lot of complaints from people about like, well, I don't like that the first one was a hardcover and that this is issues and I want to <laughs> read them. But now I either have to, if I want it to look the same on my bookshelf, it's got to be like, I have to buy the hardcover of this. And I I love they that they're just wait just as long and they yeah. would not put out the single issues. I'm sure they'll have hardcovers that look the same oh, yeah. across the board. But I love that they're experimenting with how they're going to be releasing this huge story that I can't remember if you were telling me or what, but it's like maybe like 11 different volumes or something. And yeah, it's, um, it's a ton of different things set in this world. So I, I really, really liked it. Each issue was a quick read and it was very uh, the, the art and the storytelling were very emotionally impactful and creepy. Mm -hmm. And I, I really liked it. And it doesn't end on a happy upswing note, not like the first hardcover did. Yeah. So Sorrentino can do some creepy ass shit. Mm -hmm. And I really I really like that battle with the creature in the well and the way that resolves. I thought yeah. that was really good. It's it's almost like a darker version of the Stephen King Dark Tower wastelands. It, it she's me think about the Dark Tower while I was reading it as well. Yeah. Totally. Um, I felt like I missed an issue, uh, which I maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But it seems like she was just all of a sudden here in, in this weird realm. Yeah, and, she uh, found a hole and went down it, and that's where she was. Okay, okay. And, so, and then, so, yeah, I just... Forgot the mom the of the missing one. daughter seems to have known about it, even while being a total creep yeah. the whole series and then sealed it up. Yeah. And that's why the daughter always felt like it was home. I think I, I probably would have identified a little more with this if it was 11 issues instead of five. You know, like five seems a little bit short for You're the right. final issue. It's it's maybe a double sized issue, but I, I could have lived in that area for a little bit longer. Before yeah, at least two. They packed a sort of arc into yeah. this nice thing yeah i think that's that is a good point yeah i i would but give, i think it's i think it's beautiful yeah i would give the whole series a nine and the two issues i read a nine um yeah. really really like this series i'm gonna go with an eight and a half for this yeah. one um and a nine for the bone orchard mythos like so far so 
so great. Uh, Django, take me somewhere. Take me somewhere. Put a gag in my mouth. I don't care. I'll go wherever you need me to. Okay. I'll scream. Okay, Jeff. Oh, I can't get this ball in my mouth. Did you, uh, did you read Nemesis Reloaded, Jeff? I did. Roman, did you read I it? I think you did. I did not. You did not read it. Did you no. read the original Nemesis? I I started it like like a lot of his writing. I liked the first like couple issues, and then I got bored. Never finished it. It was it was a four issue mini. Um, oh. I <laughs> fucking love the original. I love it. Mark Miller, Steve McNiven, one of my favorite artists. Um, I don't know how to describe it outside of like it makes me identify with Django very heavily. Like Django, you <laughs> you like some pretty well, you like some pretty That's debaucherous weird. things. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying that I am like the main character in this, no. which is like the no. smartest man on earth, but a villain. No, 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 no. It, it, <laughs> I was like, like, that's, I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> it, the first volume, the first series is like the perfect <clears throat> amount of too fucked up for me. Like it's right. It's like, oh, I don't want to recommend this to anybody, but it tickles me. Like, you know, like there's a senator who's this bad guy is against who's, you know, the senator's a good guy. And like he kidnaps his kids and like, makes the son impregnate the daughter and if they try to remove the child her womb will collapse and she'll never be able to have kids like these horrible (laughs) fucked up things and that was all in the original volume and like i it just tickles me in a way it's like totally perverse so i was i and like that was left on a cliffhanger that original series he describes this as a write-up at the beginning as a reboot you know so he can i think he's changing the origin a little bit so that he can ultimately do this large uh, Netflix image crossover thing he's working on with like Prodigy and Scumbag and all those people. Yeah, it made me really excited for that. Jorge Jimenez was the art in this, who's been doing Chips of RC's Batman and did a bunch of the uh, Jimmy TIV Batman as well. I love their art. I massively I, I love pre- the violence you get in this. Yeah, I massively prefer the McNiven art of the original volume to this. Oh yeah, but but this is very cool. And you know, I love Mark Miller's original pitch for this is like, what if Bruce Wayne instead of becoming Batman became the Joker, and that's what this is about. I love that. And this is very much like that. It's also one of my favorite costumes of all time. I love it. There was like an online DC universe, massive multiplayer online game years ago where you got to make your own superhero. And I designed the character almost exactly like this. Like, I just love the character design. And it's just Batman in white, right? Without the horns. Yeah, basically. I love it. It's just like a sleek, naked dude in all white. And he's... grossly murderous who's always just covered in blood with bat cycles and all this stuff and he's brilliant and Dude, i just the, like no holds barred as bad as you can be and that's what this is yeah the panel where he chops the rich lady's legs off in the crowd just like the way she's toppling and then the the way everybody's arms and legs are separated in the next panel is like top-notch gross stuff and you just yeah you um, see the ankles severed and the legs falling and stuff yeah it's it's good kinetic action um yeah i mean mark miller i think just kind of generally has sort of a an uh an edgelord aesthetic with a lot of his books and sometimes it's a turn on and sometimes it's a turn off i think this is a really good example of that thing done well i'm curious it's got to be hard to have the uh guts to just write a story like story after story about the smartest man on earth yeah. Like, how do you have the the opinion of yourself that you can write that story? I would I would be terrified by that. That surprised me to hear you yeah. say, but um, but I, <laughs> I can write one about the third smartest man on Earth. I think <laughs> between Prodigy and this, he doesn't fail at it. No, you know? no, I think he's, he he's pulling it off. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, this was another one of my favorite books of the week, uh, tied for highest score with Bone Orchard at nine and tied with another book at nine. Um, it's like a Chuck yeah, Long Fight Club type thing. It just, it's yeah. dirty, gr- immediately gratifying, shallow in a good way. I, I love it. I love it, guys. I'm not proud to say it to people, it's, but it, it's I guess crank that's what I mean. Jango. And crank there's, two high voltage all put together. And maybe it is, but you know, I feel like there's things that you love where you're like, I'm not super excited to go into the comic shop and tell people I love this. I'll see if they invite it. You know, like, I guess that's what I mean by it. You know, it's like, <laughs> I oh, you like Crossed? Like, well, you should read Nemesis. You've given me that opening, you know? I want, like, I don't think I was really a, a customer, customer at the comics place for either of you. No, not for me, for sure. Yeah. And I wonder, I wonder what kind of shit you would have said about me. Oh, I would have loved to. I mean, I had very, I had pretty high respect for you uh, the moment I met you for some reason. For some reason, um, even though I had $200 worth of crossed comics in my file. You know, we all win some, we all dim some. Um, Roman, where do you want to take us next? Well, well, should we talk about, Yep. let's have yeah. a range. Here's, here's my, my possible picks. What do you guys okay. want to talk about? DC Universe, Lazarus Planet, Timeless from Marvel or Scarlet Witch from Marvel? I think we're obligated to talk about the first two at least. I'm curious about Scarlet Witch if it was good. Oh, uh, let's start I don't, with Lazarus. I don't want to hear Planet. about it if it's bad though. Let's talk about which what? Well, I want to hear about Lazarus Planet. I didn't read it. I love Mark Wade, and I love that he's returned to DC finally. It gratifies yeah. me greatly, and the world's finest book has been good. But I don't care at all about this demon Neza, and they have been a through line of almost everything Mark Wade's done so far, and yeah. this. I just couldn't get through. So curious. You guys read it all. Please tell me about it. Um, well, I also don't care about the devil Neza. Um, I am curious. Why is, did Mark Wade create this character? Is that why he's I'll the through line recon. for all his books? I'll do some recon when um, talking. Because I think he is a kind of more recent character. Uh, this continues from what was the big crossover they just finished at DC that doesn't involve like the anti-life equation or zombies. Well, they did <laughs> Batman versus Robin, which this character featured okay, heavily that, in. That's what and this, the world's finest had yeah. it also. Yeah, so this spins out of directly out of Batman versus Robin, but also world's finest. Um, picks up right after that, so Batman's hurt and his son Damian Robin is flying him and their buds to uh, go deal with this volcano because of their end of the uh, Batman versus Robin series Neza they defeated Neza but it caused a Lazarus a volcano to erupt that's erupting with Lazarus juice <laughs> and it's causing all sorts of havoc with the earth's weather and it's also screwing up because it's a magic juice it's screwing up hmm. magic users powers like now Supergirl um, sunlight actually depletes her powers rather than increases her powers so we assume the same thing's happening to superman um and they're just getting there trying to solve this and it's a group of you know different characters like like blue devil and the monkey prince are in there which i think is pretty cool because i love the monkey prince um along with the heavy hitters like supergirl and power girl and stuff and they're off to have an adventure i thought it was okay well and they finally they finally free all the magic users too so it's yeah. You know, like Mr. E and Clarion Question and, um, and yeah. Yeah, like all, all those guys are are in there. And that's I thought that was pretty cool to see that whole team walk out like that. Um, yeah. I thought the art was really good when it's just kind of boring talking head scenes. And I had a hard time with the most of the action scene scenes just felt maybe a little overposed or something to me. Um, but all in all, I thought the art was 
spectacular. And it, I read this all the way through until that artist ended, um, until it wasn't uh, Frederiki anymore. Until it was all monkey um, prints at the end. Yeah. The, the art pulled me through. I didn't love the story. Um, and it feels almost like this thing that they're doing could kind of mess the DC universe up so bad that they have to reboot everything again oh no <laughs> they um, don't care about every year now yeah, yeah. I, I agree the uh i did prefer the art when they were just you know making plans and talking because yeah the action scenes were a little too too posy a little too murky um yeah some of the faces when people are like yelling or something like there's a there's a shot of mary marvel yelling shazam and her mouth is just so wide it, it looks like she's mutating or something i don't know what's happening to her there um but yeah there's a yeah, shot of but Bat- every every other picture is amazing yeah there's a shot of batman at the end that's just gorgeous uh full page picture of him um so yeah i'm not totally into the story yet but i like these characters i like mark wade yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i don't I think uh i guess ahead. that's like jeff indicated uh the devil neza yeah it's he's supposed to be a big bad awesome villain and i'm just not feeling that yet i'm he was his first appearance was in World's Finest number one by Dan Mora and Mark Wade. So yeah, oh, the beginning okay. of that recent so run. He's a new character. He did create him. I like the backup story about the monkey prince. Because I really like that character. Yeah. And it's written by, you know, his creator. So that was actually probably my favorite part of the book, really. Was that Gene Luen Yang? Yeah. 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 Nice. Um yeah, I mean this this story seems to have it's got confidence. The conceit seems interesting to me. I just wasn't excited to see the Devil Neza part, but it seems like that was the impetus for the story and not the key role in the story. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird. This one's weird to me. I don't understand how like like straight from the pages of X comes Y is a hard one for me to really define in this book. Mm, yeah. Uh, what do you give it, Roman? Oof. Uh, probably a. Uh... It's got monkey king. Uh, yeah, I'll give it a I'll give it a seven point five and an anticipation. It has Satana in it, you know, and it's got kind of the same problem that I have with, as I've said before, with Satana that writers don't use her well enough. It's kind of mm-hmm. like uh, what you guys were saying about um, um, uh, the previous book. Um, I forgot the name of the character. Nemesis. Nemesis. Uh, it's kind of about Nemesis. How do you write this character that's the smartest guy in the world? Well. Satana's her powers supposedly anything she says backwards happens so anytime there's a fight scene it's like why are they all working so hard all she has to do is say okay all the villains fall down dead or go to sleep end of fight right (laughs) but but a lot of writers don't figure out a way to deal with her power levels so instead they just have her doing little stuff yeah yeah. Um, um, and it seems like in general, Marvel and DC's best stuff is coming from their side projects because this seems like to be their big event right now. And Marvel's big event right now is Dark Web. And I guess not an even event, but the big issue that came out New Year's Eve was Timeless, which is the next one you mentioned, oh. Roman. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that was fine. I love Kang. So it gets Kang points and it gets like creating a mystery for the Marvel universe moving forward points, but I didn't particularly care for the kind of vaguely Arthurian characters that were created for it, that he spends most of the issue fighting. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Roman, what'd you think of that? I, I, I liked I, it more as the role it's playing in the Marvel universe more than I liked reading the single issue itself. Yeah. Overall, I liked it more than I thought I would because it's very much a, um, Doctor Who serial setup using Kang and time travel, of course. 
I mean, even the names of some of the various things like, oh, we have to go to the, the fall of the the immortal city or whatever. And then, and then these are all totally like Doctor Who concepts. They, they just sound like it. And even the Arthurian based uh, uh, team he has to fight. It's a little too cutesy, kind of on the nose, yeah, but at the I same agree. time, I love Arthurian stuff and and little things like Kang saying that you know he had met the real Merlin and yeah, this this guy who's named the the for the Welsh version of Merlin's name, the original name, um, which I can't pronounce, Mirden or something, yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, it's a little too cutesy, but I still kind of liked it because I like Arthurian stuff. <laughs> That's how I feel about Kang. It was all a little too cutesy. But I fucking love Kang. Although I don't necessarily love him when he takes his costume off. Leave that costume on. I yeah, I think, on. yeah. He takes off his his upper part of his costume. It's like, you know, now he just looks like Tony Stark. And I totally agree. I was like, that, Tony Stark? It, yeah, it ruins the mystery. I, I want Kang to be more mysterious. Well, I guess I was curious about the difference in our scores, mostly based on my awareness of kind of your, um, you like Arthurian stuff. So I didn't know yeah. if you had gotten maybe a lot of extra points for that or something, but I, I gave this issue a 7.5. I thought it was, I thought it was fine. I, again, I enjoy reading it more for its interaction with me, keeping me involved with the Marvel universe and kind of wrapping things yeah. up and also foreshadowing things, but I didn't necessarily think it was a great comic. Yeah. And, uh, oh, wow. The artist is Greg Land. I didn't realize that. Um, Cause I was going to say it, this new villain, uh, Mirrodin or however you say his name, I like his look because he looks like a cross between actually you don't know gender at all. Um, they look like um, a cross between Grendel from Dark Horse mm. and Spawn. So I kind of thought, well, that's an interesting look for a Marvel villain. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of original. And I, I like, like the uh, mystery at the end of like, who is this person? Yeah, I like the mystery. I like this whole like Doctor Who format and setup and the goofy names for stuff and things. Um, I'll probably give it a... Seven point point five, maybe even an eight. Okay, I'll give it a seven point five. It would have been an eight if Kang hadn't taken off his shirt and his cloak. <laughs> it's, so it's pronounced cloak. It is. Okay, well, let's do a short version of Scarlet Witch, Roman. What do you think? Okay, um, she's a mutant magic user. Yeah, uh, that's and the short written, version. And I like Russell Dowderman, who did all the character creation, like artwork for it. So it looks oh. pretty, but he didn't do the actual art in it. Um, so I guess I don't really know what his role was. That's an interesting distinction. Yeah. And Sarah Pacelli did the art. The art's fine. Um, Steve Orlando did the writing that is typically an artist, like a writer who I've never read something that I've enjoyed from. But while Mm -hmm. I was reading this, I was trying to kind of take the Leah Williams approach of like, well, what if I love the work? Right. (laughs) And that's what it's about. I agree. And from that standpoint, the work is fine. The work is fine. It's got Scarlet Witch has kind of got a Doctor Strange vibe where she's working at a magic shop and she's got a kind of random sidekick who's got some mysteries to her herself. And, um, and you know, I bet that'll be a big part of the story. But as it stands, we get a nice kind of appearance from Quicksilver. And mostly it's this lady who has a gym and somebody comes to her town, not a gym like working out, but like a gym. Um, a guy comes to her town, makes everybody hate her and sort of like become their mindless servant and it turns out that Scarlet Witch shows up and breaks the spell and everything's okay. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's definitely not as... And the last Scarlet Witch series by James Robinson was great. Right. And this and definitely... art, too. Yeah, that was beautiful on all fronts. And this isn't this isn't that good. Um, but, yeah, for some reason, Scarlet Witch now has a, a uh, magic shop that's, and magic shop and tea shop that she set up that... Uh, has a magical door that people who really need help and have no other options are 
called to this door and wherever they are in the world and they step through it and end up in her shop and she can help them, which is okay. That's kind of cutesy, but whatever it works. Um, yeah. I'm not quite sure why she's doing it. And her sidekick who works in the shop is, oh man, she's totally a, uh, I had it earlier. What's the name of the actress who is in um, the at least one or two of the Thor movies. She was Jane Foster's buddy. Oh, um, um, who's in Nick and Nora's infinite playlist. Yeah, I think so. Kat um, Denning. Kat Denning, yeah, her 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 nice sidekick. Her She's sidekick one of my in, biggest celebrity crushes. Yeah, her sidekick in this is totally the Kat Denning character. I mean, yeah. even even looks like her. Um, so we'll see. I like the, I like. I assume Dodderman designed Scarlet Witch's new costume that's on yeah. the cover. Yeah, that's a great costume. Yeah, I, that's cool. I'll give it a. Uh, I'll give it a seven. I'm not a big fan of Steve Orlando either, but I like the character. I like this character. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a seven as well. Good pull. Um, Django, do you want to talk about a book? I pretty sure we all read that's probably the third book tied for my highest score of the week. Black Cloak? No, no, no. Oh. Black Cloak? Ah, <laughs> I set him up. He knocks him down. <laughs> um, I don't know what you're talking about. Really? Planet Hulk? No. <laughs> Dark Bride. It's so weirded out when you. Oh, Human Target. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I thought it was a gimme. No, it was not a gimme. It was. It was real. I thought it was a gimme. Okay, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff. Okay. As a guy that doesn't if I like had crime. to predict, well, I know you don't love crime stories. You you don't gravitate towards crime stories, but That's you do exactly like them. Crime. You oh, yeah. usually like them. I yeah, love crime if, if they're good. Yeah, <clears throat> Roman's just a criminal. Yeah. Um. You mean yeah? You mean committing crime, right? Yeah. Yeah. As a guy who I'm a guy. You're a guy, <laughs> and if I had to guess, you're the kind of guy who doesn't know who Gnord is. A hundred percent. <laughs> okay, so I'm 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 batting a hundred so far. But right? Tom King's the kind of guy. He's a guy who can make me like a character uh, <laughs> who's got a lot of character ticks that I've never met before. All right. So in this issue, uh, we continue our journey through the Justice League International um, team trying to help Christopher Chance solve his own murder. We have some amazing revelations at the end, which uh, I was a big big fan of. Big big. And we. In the meantime, like, first of all, Chance uh, puts a sleeping pill in Ice's drink so he can go do this adventure alone, which had real preacher vibes to me. Drug. Because uh, he he leaves uh, Tulip more than once to go have an adventure on his own. Um, and then it turns out that he wants to hang out with Gnort, who is just like the, the dumbest Green Lantern from the Justice League International run that Keith Giffen and, and J.M. Dematius did. Um and Gnort in this is dumb like he was in that, but a totally different character, which is kind of a Tom King thing, I think. And at the end, we find out that uh, Guy Gardner is alive and kicking, which was pretty awesome. And uh, and the way that Tom King disables Guy is pretty amazing. Yeah, that was great. I thought we found out like last issue or the issue before that guy was still alive or did or did christopher just we did but that? he said we, something about he, it he said okay. that that someone else now knows the guy is not dead or something like mm-hmm. that it was like oh, a cliffhanger. okay um, yeah i like Gnort a lot i don't <laughs> think we can ever sing the praises of the art in this book high enough no. you know like every single tom king 12 issue maxi has deserved an absolute edition and not gotten one but this one deserves it right up there with mr miracle absolutely mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So the art's gorgeous. Yeah, I liked this. I liked the mystery it was exploring. I like Chance drugging 
Frost or whatever her name is. Snow, Frost, Cold. Ice. Ice. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and It's what you put in your pickle juice, Jeff. But I like that it paid off because she's kind of behind all of this, which we've known the whole time. Mm-hmm. But like even up till issue nine, it was like she's the bad lady, but they're in love and it's good. Like she does love him, I swear. Uh, yeah. So that seemed like that was going to be an inevitable realization. And I I like that they did it in a way that still made me feel I was like wronged by this dame. So that was cool. Yeah. yeah. What about uh, Guy Gardner's greatest weakness? What is it? Peanut butter. Oh, yeah. That He's got was a fucking great. peanut allergy, which is so perfect. Yeah, like, that is yeah. perfect. And like her motivation for like not being mad at him after he drugs her and runs away for the day is that she's the bad guy, right? Like any rational person would be super pissed at that point. Yeah. Super peed. Yeah. It's so funny too. Cause like Jeff said, we, we, you know, we've known suspected all along. She's the femme fatale, but I still was like at the end, I was like, Oh man, I was hoping she wouldn't be the femme fatale. Yeah. I was, I've been holding out hope that he's not going to die in the last issue, but I think he might die in the last issue. Well, I mean, we're, between this and Danger Street, it's been like a race to the bottom with Tom King of who can find the most obscure character that means nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's either probably, Tom King or Tom King. I mean, like, but but like, what's the motivation? Probably on some level to be able to do whatever you want with the character. And it's Black Label. So like, again, right. it's not continuity. So he can already do whatever he wants. But like, yeah, like he's just it's bizarre. Like he could kill the human target and the continuity of DC wouldn't change at all. And he could kill all the people in danger street and nothing would change at the hall of justice. So like, it's this very weird, like Tom, is this the ultimate hipster move or like, what is this? (laughs) What is no, I was reading DC's first special way before you. And I'm like, listen, Tom, I know Roman. (laughs) So you have not been reading it before anybody. That was a compliment Roman because you're, you're like OG. Oh, say thank you. Sorry. Thank you. I was looking at stuff. I love that. This series, like the same thing I love about Danger Street, is that he's just, other than Christopher Chance himself and like Lex Luthor, he's just using the characters from that Dematius um, uh, Michelini run. No, JLA McGuire. Run? Giffen, Giffen McGuire, Giffen. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or, oh, wait, 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 wait. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, McGuire and yeah. Yeah. And, and it's Adam funny. Hughes drew some of it. Of that run? Yeah. Oh, Hughes wow. does all everything. I forgot that. And I've never known. Are you guys saying Gnort to be funny, or is that actually how you say it? I think it's Gnort, like uh, you, you know, kind of you that's swallow a, that's, the G. Yeah, that's how I've always Gnort. said it. It's a silent Gnort. G. It's like I Bob first... Dylan. It's like Bob I... Dylan singing uh, "Going to into Going Man. to <laughs> where, uh, I am probably... where I'm going to." Okay, okay, sure. It could be Nort, but there's an apostrophe, right? An apostrophe yeah. hints at a a stop, and you can't stop after a silent letter. Isn't John Jones? John right. Jones? Not in my head. John um, Jones. That was how my John dad Jones. Yeah, that's how I do that in my head. Yeah, I actually called him John Johns in my head until I met Roman. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> see, and I, and I can't remember because I haven't reread those McGuire issues. But but and maybe I'm just making this up in my head. But I thought there was like a a bit once where they about the pronunciation of Nort's name. Oh, but that was and that maybe and that may have just been the joke. That it's a silent G and it's actually not a silent G. Right. And, and Nort doesn't know because he's so dumb. He's like, he's dumb. I don't know. People call me different things. <laughs> uh, I give it a nine and a half. Easy. Okay, sweet. I give it a yeah. nine. I just kind of sold the farm there. Um, probably, yeah, fuck it. I don't know. Nine and a half. Yeah. 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 It's, I'd say it was the best book I read this, this week. 
nine going to um, Dude, were you guys were you guys in the store when that guy came in like some dude i'd never seen he was acting weird but like it's kind of hard to tell because downtown's know, like, a cesspool people, downtown's weird and people are wearing masks and you know like i can't tell if they're doing the the paul dano riddler thing with their mouths or not and he said his name was will elmer but it, hmm. it absolutely was not will hmm. no i wasn't there for like that. He, he he pulled that name out of thin air hmm. and he said a bunch of weird things and the only one i can remember is he he said crippling anxiety or no i expect to see this story streaking down the streets of bellingham after dark that was will was it will that was will elmer yeah <laughs> oh man I got a stack of comics here. I take I'm sorry about that mouth gag, Will. Going to. Going. Did you guys read Black Cloak? Nope. Nope. I will, It was though. good. Art looks It was nice. good. I, th I think you... Don't tell Jeff, but it's a crime story. Uh-oh. Well, Never mind. It I is. won't. Wow. It's, a, it, it's, it's just a straight-up detectives going straight from place to you. place trying to... Is that a new thing? What? Straight-up what? I was doing I the Paul... Is what he said. I, I was doing the Paul Abdul song. Oh, I thought it was pretty erotic. Straight up. Erotic. Erotic. Ooh, there it is. Put your hands all over my body. So this is just like a that. very straight forward detective story. Um, but it happens to be set in a world with mermaids and uh like like rich fairies and magic. Um the art is really interesting. It's got a really nice thick line around all the characters, which I think Jeff is going to appreciate. Mm. Parts of it are a little bit hard to figure out what's going on. And I, I can't really tell why. I don't know if it's it's part of the way that the story is supposed to be being told or if it's just uh, like a deficit of the art. Uh, but again, like with Danger Street, a few pages in, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it all the way through this. It's pretty hard. And then by the end, I was like, I'm very invested in all these characters. I'm curious about some of the things that they hint at, and I want to know who done it. So, uh, Black Cloak, Kelly Thompson, Meredith McLaren, and Becca Carvey are the creators. It's it's in my the handful of books I still have left to read. I did I did uh, I picked it up a few times, and because of it's such a such a thick book, I did. I was like, ah, I'll wait on that. I'll read like two issues of of. Amazing Spider-Man or Gold Goblin back to back instead. Yeah. <laughs> well, good stuff. It's good stuff. Did you give it a score, Django? I'm giving it an eight and a half. I enjoyed reading two Batman books or sorry, Spider-Man books back to back, Roman, that you just alluded oh. to. Uh, even though they weren't the best ones of the series, the Dark Web story maybe isn't that great, but um, the tone is weird. Like all the limbo bad guys are there, but they're all kind of goofy as well. Um, yeah. Silly. I don't know. I don't. I don't love that. But it was nice to get down. I. I love reading. Uh, this Zeb Wells Batman run. It's been so fun, and I've continued to like it. I haven't read the Gold Goblin issues that came out yet because there was two of them back to back to read. But, um, yeah. What a. I'm enjoying that. Yeah. So far, the Gold Goblin issues are the my favorite part of the Dark Web stuff. And yeah, I agree. I agree on Amazing Spider-Man. It's there. The the Marvel hell creatures and villains just aren't. They're too silly. They're not like DC hell. They're yeah, they're not scary at all. Vibe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're goofy and silly. And like we both said before, be we don't, yeah, we don't care about Ben Riley. But I sure like that new character. Um, Halloween. Is that her name? Uh, Hollow's Eve or something. Hollow's like Hollow's Eve. Yeah. And I like she has some strange powers. that I think are kind of cool. Yeah, I like that um, character. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is so on a lot of those dark web covers, there's like 
green fluorescent webs in the background is that a connecting cover thing does that tie yeah. into the it story? is cover. yeah does it tie into the story though i think it's just visual okay okay yeah. i didn't know if the the whatever the dark web thing is is uh like shooting green webs or something no no okay. but i do love football so that's right on man there. right on i like football with you, oh, I love you so- solidarity what do you guys give uh, that third issue of green gold 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 green DW? I didn't read that, but I gave web two Spider Man. I read the two Spider Man issues and I gave those an eight point five together. Nice. I'd probably give them each a the seven. Yeah. And yeah. Gold Goblin, I'd give those two I read probably eights each. Nice, nice. dude. We're doing some um, interesting things with Norman Osborne. So uh I don't know. We're probably ready to head home, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't have anything important to talk about or anything. Buddy, everything you say is important. No, that's not true at all, bud. (laughs) I like you, bud. Okay, bud. Sorry, I'm looking at football cards now. Um, (laughs) I should probably. Oh, I forget that you're the you're the football cards guy. I am the football guy in our shop. Yeah, for sure. Well, Austin. Sorry, that's the card I'm looking at. Um, Sean's (laughs) also into it. You're looking at your looking at your cards instead of looking at your text messages oh you're, uh, you're like you're you're playing with your football guys instead of hanging out with your your best buddies listen man if it ain't frank miller making me eggs i ain't eating it you know what i mean like if it ain't frank miller at the fucking helm i'm gonna just phone it in you're not um, your your stance on eggs has changed since i've met you I guess that's true. What, what was your old stance on eggs? He would only eat eggs if he made them. Or if I watched somebody make them. Um, or if there were HBEs and sitting in the car sure for a while. the yolk was cooked. Um, mm-hmm. There's a variety of things that, yeah, I, I'm definitely weird about my eggs. But, um, what do you think of a flip? Uh, like the, the cocktail, the, a cocktail that has a flip, which is like... Uh, egg whites? Egg whites. Like uh, foam, frothy not, egg whites. Not, not in love with it. I don't, I don't, I guess this thing about eggs is they can change their consistency a lot. It kind of weirds me out. If you feel like you can identify with that statement I've just made, you should confirm it so that Django and Roman know that I'm not an insane man. And you can confirm it. The by Frank Miller sending... one or the, the one about raw egg yolks? Right. You can do yep. that by sending an email to jeff at thecomicsplace.com. Uh, like Will does every week with his voicemails or we call him. Send us a question. Send us a thought about what you're doing. Judd, what are you up to? Uh, Phil Satile, I know you listen. Why don't I hear from you every week? Phil, I should be hearing Phil? from you every week. Phil, you're the only guy out there who's talking me into buying that guitar I want. So I need you to be here and telling me that I should buy that guitar. <laughs> Phil, um, tell me what that guitar is. It's the one I sent you after team the podcast Jeff. last oh, time. You gotta buy that guitar. I know it's yellow. I gotta show Roman after we finish oh. this. What's the holdup, bud? Yeah, yellow guitar sounds beautiful. Yeah, yellow like an egg yolk. I don't quite have the money. Sam says I have Meh. too many guitars, and we have Meh. to have a one in one out policy, and Meh. we have a wedding to plan, and so Meh. I can't spend a thousand dollars on a guitar. One in one out policy. I can see all of your guitars from here, just like no. we can in every yeah. single Zoom podcast. You, we see do. you know, I think them, I think you deserve. <laughs> I think you deserve as a wedding present to yourself and to Sam because yeah. you'll be playing it for her, and she'll Making get to enjoy your music. T- yeah, yeah. I'll put it on the registry. Does I'll it sound it good or is it just yellow? <laughs> it sounds good. It's okay. got amazing tech in it. And everybody it wins. Yeah. Everybody wins when you're buying a guitar. So send us an email at jeff at the Let us talk to you because we love each other. 
tell us something to help get Roman out of his funk every day when he shows up to the podcast and he says something grumpy and we're like, man, we got to get him out of his funk. Um, send us a story to get Roman out of his funk. Um, but yeah, we love all you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for bearing with us on the time off. Thank you for celebrating with us lately when all of the Marvel books came in. Oh, and we hope finally. that you scratch your itch for that this week. But please come in and talk to us about it. We'd love to hear what you think about those. Oh, I'm looking at football cards again. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's get out of here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. I am always am Jeff. I'm Roman. I'm Django. And I was wondering, Roman, you only live a couple blocks from me. It's true. Would you That's like true. to come over to my house like in the next 20 minutes and go crash this party next door? Sounds good. That's, that's, that, well, that's tempting. But, you know, there's this little COVID thing that I, I don't go to parties. Put on a mask. He doesn't I'll need punch, to go to parties because he I'll punch is a, a hole in your party. mask so you can drink your beer out of a straw. <laughs> Look at me. I'm in my bathrobe and my sweats. I'd have to get dressed, put on a mask. No, no, over. no, no. You just have to put on the mask. Oh, no, no, oh. no. I'll put on a robe. We'll go over there. There's no fucking way these kids are going to say no if their neighbor, if their old man neighbor shows up <laughs> with his old man best friend and tries to, to get in there and makes fun of their probably Rainiers. Actually, these, these kids are pretty cool. They, they're probably drinking <laughs> nice IPAs or something. You call that? In my day, we drank Spodies out of a barrel. <laughs> What's a Spody? It's just a... a well, at least what we call the spody is you went to a party and everybody poured whatever alcohol they had into like mm-hmm. a barrel or some other big receptacle. And then you just dip and drink out of it. I thought a spody was wine, like oh, mold wine with fruit in it. Yeah. Was oh, that what too. it is? Oh, well, I not in your world. No, in, in, North, Kitsap, we, in North Kitsap in the mid 80s. we that, That's what we call the spody. You were there when they invented spody. So I was. <laughs> On that note, we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Watch out for the Spody. Keep watching the stars. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>